I want to pick up the reading just on the, the last verse of chapter 12, verse 25, and then read the first four verses. If you remember some weeks ago, uh, a prophet by the name of Agabus spoke up in the church of Antioch, and he was talking about a, a famine that would happen in Judea. And the church in Antioch brought together, uh, pooled together their resources, and they sent it by the hand of Paul and Barnabas, and then went down and it provided relief. And so after uh, they had stayed down there in Judea, verse 25, it kind of picks back up on that particular aspect, and it says, And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their mission, taking along with them John, who was also called Mark. And so they delivered uh, the goods, so to speak, to Judea, to Jerusalem, and then after doing that, they headed back up to Antioch. And so that's where we are now, verse 1. Now there were at Antioch in the church that was there prophets and teachers, and it names them, right? Barnabas and Simeon, who was also called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Menaean, who, was, uh, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. And so being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia and from there they sailed to Cyprus. We'll stop there. Now this is famously a passage that is the beginning of the first missionary journey of Paul and Barnabas, right? And I'm not going to talk about the missionary journey. I'm not going to talk about the aspects there. But what I want to talk about is this idea or what was happening here in the church of Antioch through these prophets and teachers and what happened in the midst of their worship. They're fasting and they're praying. And the message title is The Mouth of God. Uh, I, I was thinking about what happens nowadays, you know, it, whether it be on social media, like, you know, the different channels there, YouTube, or, or any news outlet. There is this thing that people or companies or these outlets want people to do, and it's subscribe. They want people to subscribe to their channel, their channel of information, however they're pushing it out. Okay? And our phones are so equipped with notifications, and we know what's happening on the stock market, what's happening in, in, around the world through these news outlets, and we're always in tune to these voices, to these people that are giving information, and it, it's pushed to us because we've subscribed to them. And so as we live in our technological world right now, we have this idea that we always want to have an ear to the outlets that we're interested in. All right? Think about it. We're subscribed to them, right? And they're, they're pushed to our feeds and our phones. And as much as we think about how much we want to be in tune with the markets or the news or whatever, I want us to think about in that same way, am I inclining my ear to what God is pushing out, so to speak? Are there notifications coming up in the, in the news feed of my heart? Are there things that when God is interested, when He's putting out a blast out there and He wants the church, His children, to know something that is on His heart and that He wants to do, and He blasts it out, just like any news outlet would? And just as if through our tech device we can grab that notification, are we in our spirit grabbing that notification? Is my heart sensitive and inclined? Is my ear tilted towards God? And I, I kind of want to venture into that a little bit and talk about that God is speaking. 
that he's sharing information, and he doesn't go silent, really. You know, even when he doesn't speak, he's communicating a message. And so I'm talking about this today is, am I listening to what God is saying, and can I be a mouthpiece or a conduit of what he is saying to the people that are around me? And I think about my, my son. I mean, if you think about... Uh, you know, uh, preachers, they always talk about their children because it's kind of like a real-life example, right? And I think about particularly Jacob. Uh, that kid, I kid you not, he has one ear towards me his entire <laughs> life so far for his first six years, right? He can be clear across the room doing something completely different and completely involved in that activity. I'm having a private conversation with Jenny at the dinner table and barely speaking, you know, just under my voice, so to speak. And he goes, Dad, what did you say? And he always wants to know what I'm saying. And he says that, oh, Dad, what did you say to Mom? Dad, what did you say? And I'm on the phone, Dad, what did you say? All right. And that reminds me of the attitude of my heart that I should have before my Heavenly Father. This ear that's always just there. And it's catching glimpses and whispers. And I might not catch it the first time, but I'm getting the fact that he's saying something. And I ask him again, God, what, what, what are you saying? God, what are you doing? It's the posture of my heart. Being interested in the Father. This passage in Acts 13 talks about these prophets and teachers and this church community that was gathered in prayer and in worship, and they heard something from God. And I ask you a question at the beginning of your uh, sermon, you know, a little card here, you know, the key question, how does one hear God? H how does a person hear God? You know, I, I think first we have to ask the question, does God speak? You know, is He active right, in creation? And if we do believe that he is active and that he does speak, how do we hear him? You know, what are the vehicles in which he speaks into creation, into the world, into the church? Because the Bible clearly portrays God as one who speaks. Go to the first verse of the Bible in the first, you know, the chapter. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, said, right? And so it sets this, this, this idea of God right from the beginning that God speaks. God said, let there be light. And so there is not only power in what God says, the fact that God speaks is something that needs to be stated, that God says things. Okay. And just in the first chapter of Genesis, this phrase, then God said, God speaking is reinforced so many times. Not only let there be light, God said the expanse, right, in the midst of the waters, God said, let the waters below the heavens, God said, and God said, and God said, and God said. God is speaking all of the time right from the beginning and it's showing us this, this side, this vocal nature of God, that God speaks. Through the Old Testament, God spoke through plagues and pestilence, right, to Pharaoh. He spoke through a burning bush to Moses. He spoke through prophets or psalmists, judges or kings, angels or theophanies. He even spoke through the mouth of a donkey, right, the donkey of Balaam in Numbers 22. And so God seems to want to say things and he'll use almost anything available to him to share that message. If it's a person, it's a person. If it's a bush, 
an animal that he wants to say things. And you go to the New Testament. If you think about Matthew chapter 1, right? The angel of the Lord spoke to Joseph in a dream saying, God spoke through John the Baptist or Jesus, apostles, church leaders. That all throughout scripture, I don't know if you can really count it, how many times God speaks when it says God said. God says, thus says the Lord. Right? God wants to speak. That he wants to, to share a message with his people, the world, his church. And you go all the way, I started in Genesis 1, Let's go to the last chapter of the Bible, Revelation 22. Right? At the end of Revelation 22, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify. Okay? To you these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star, the spirit and the bride say, Come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wishes take the water of life without cost. I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. And God is so involved in what he says that he wants people not to add to it or take away from it. If anyone adds to them, God will add to the, him the plagues which are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his part from the tree of life and from the holy city which are written in this book. Okay. And so from beginning to end, God is saying, testifying, speaking things. And so the first thing that I want to say today is this. God speaks through people, right? If you think about the primary way in which God speaks to the church now, it's through the Bible. All right? It is. And so if you want to know what God is speaking to this world, you, you go to the Bible. We call it God's Word, right? We call it that because it's God speaking to His church in a timeless way. He wrote it in a way that it could apply to the church throughout all generations. And so when the church of the first century and when the church of the 21st century, when we want to hear of God, we go to the Scriptures. We go to what God has recorded and said through us, through the prophets, through the apostles, through the teachers of the word. And so this is the primary way in which we hear of God. But this must, because we have the Bible, it should not negate the fact that God also wants to speak through people. Okay. That God wants to speak through you and me. That if the church wants the world to hear God, the church must listen up. And the church must speak. That God speaks through people. Now, if I think about that, that's kind of somewhat scary to think that God speaks through people. I mean, you know, for me, uh, speaking uh, the word or preaching over these last two decades, uh, kind of somewhat getting an understanding of that. That when a person is uh, received as an individual who speaks for God, Right? Now, I, I don't say it in the way that it's infallible, okay? but when, when a person is received as an individual who speaks the word of God and speaks for God, speaks the heart of God, it is easy to elevate the stature and influence of such people. And I think that's scary, right? And so, yes, God speaks through people, but we need to be a little cautious because of the authority that comes with speaking God's word. And if you think about Jesus' ministry, right, right from when he went in the, in, the, in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5 through 7, you know, at the end of that, it says that the people were in awe. They're in amazement because of the way or the authority by which Jesus was speaking. Right? And so multitudes would follow after Jesus because he was speaking on behalf of the Father. 
a few chapters ago in Acts when, when Peter visited Cornelius in Caesarea to speak the word of God. Immediately, what did Cornelius do when he greeted him? He fell and he bowed down. He worshipped Peter. Why? Because this person came to speak the word of God. And so in Scripture, whether it be angels or people, there seems to be this reverence when a person speaks for God. And they fall down, they worship, they bow, they prostrate themselves, they humble themselves. And so we tend to elevate the individual that speaks for God. Next chapter in Acts 14, Barnabas and Paul, they're called Greek gods, right? Barnabas was, is, is called Zeus and, and Paul is called Hermes because of the word in which they were bringing. Early church leaders. Think about the Pope, right? If you know anything about history, not just church history, but history. The Pope of the church rised in such influence and power that his voice was stronger than the voice of the kings of empires. Right? Speaking for God, that it elevates the stature and influence. And so we need to kind of be weary of that. But yes, God speaks through people and people make mistakes. That's another reason why we need to be a little weary. All right. That only God is infallible, and when people decide to speak for God, it is not equivalent to God speaking. It is not, right? That people can lead people astray, whether by malicious intent or ignorant innocence. And so, I, I want us to be weary of the fact that, yes, uh, uh, we need not receive everything an individual says, but... We need not err on the fact that, okay, that I'm not going to receive anything. That We do need to understand that God speaks through people. If you go to our passage, right, look at verse 1 again. Now there were at Antioch, in the church that was there, prophets and teachers. Prophets and teachers. Okay? And in verse 2 it says, that while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said. Okay? And I want to highlight those two places or people or groups, right? That they're prophets and teachers. And I want to highlight the importance of having spirit-filled prophets and having Bible-based teachers. That in the church and in the Christian life, these two, in a sense, I think they go hand in hand. They balance each other, right? Teachers, uh, they, they bring the authoritative word. And I, I think prophets, in a sense, bring relevance, right? What I wrote for you is that spirit-filled prophecy gives life and practicality to teaching ministry, right? It gives it life. That's what prophecy does. But Bible-based teaching, it gives it an anchor and credibility to prophetic ministry. As I think about every time when I come up to speak the word, every Sunday, I, I'm, especially during the worship, I'm always asking God, God, is there something that you want to say? And now, I've prepared a message already, and usually my messages range anywhere from seven to ten pages. And I've prepared all of that already. And I'm asking God, is there something that you want to say? And so what I want to try to do is to balance the two, that I want to make sure that what I preach is based on Scripture, that I take the principles out of there, but there needs to be this desire in my heart as a pastor to want that relevant Word of God, for God to speak in the moment, for Him to share His heart. And I see how these two can balance each other. That Bible-based teaching makes sure that prophecy doesn't add or take away, right? You don't add it. Wait, wait a minute. That's not scriptural. That's the Bible-based teacher, right? You've got to make sure it's in the Bible. You can't say that or teach that. That's not scriptural. 
But it's the prophet that is able to take the truth and speak the right truth at the right time to specific people. It's different in that way, right? You're not just quoting scripture because it's true. The prophet takes the word that is true and applies it in the moment because God wants to speak a timely word to an individual. And the prophets and the teachers here at Antioch, and I love how it identifies both of them, right? That there were prophets and teachers, and when both of them, when that congregation, when they were praying and fasting, God said. God said. And it brings me to the place where uh, that not just myself, but that our church, what I really desire for our church is that you speak God's word and heart to one another. When you gather in house churches or when you're just uh, relating with people in general, that you have an ear that is inclined to God. Just you, you got this feed coming in. It's always being pushed to you and you're sensitive to that. And that when you're speaking to individuals, you're not just speaking truth to them. You're speaking, in a sense, prophetic truth. Declaring God's heart and intentions for people. Revealing that side. Letting people in and giving them a glimpse of what God is thinking, if they're not thinking it already. Letting them hear what God wants them to hear, if they're not listening. That's the, the, if I'm a follower of Christ, not just a pastor or a teacher, or a pro, if I'm a follower of Christ, Paul says, I want all of you to prophesy. I want all of you to declare that and edify and exhort and console one another. That was the wish of Paul for all believers. And so if I'm a, a follower of God, that I, I need to be listening more than I, than I keep updated on the markets or the news. I need to be listening to what God is thinking in kingdom-minded stuff. That song that we sang, Knocking on the Doors of Heaven, that we positioned watchmen on the walls. That's like this wartime mentality, right? That you know that there is an enemy advancing, and so you've got people that are perched on the highest walls and corners of this city, and you're making sure you're looking out. I'm ready for it. Whenever it's coming, that's the watchman, right? Watches all throughout the night, 24 hours a day. Always on rotation, always looking, always listening, always ready. That's the watchman mentality. And in a sense, as a Christian, is that present in my life? Am I watching for God? Right? Am I listening and thinking, God, what are you saying? What are you doing? Am I making career decisions based on wisdom, based on referral and what other people are saying? Or am I making it based on what God is speaking to me, sharing with me, moving in my heart? Am I listening? Because God is speaking. He's sharing His heart. And this brings me to the second point. Worship, right? Worship being two-way communication. Now, I think for most of us, or at least the way we do it in practice, right? Worship for most Christians is a one-way endeavor, right? It's, it's the Christian declaring adoration, thanksgiving to God. It's the Christian expressing something upward to God. That, that seems to be the dominant picture of what worship is for the church. But what I want to say today, especially in light of what happened in our passage, that as they were worshiping the Lord, as they were ministering to Him, it says 
the Holy Spirit said. And we seem to, to find this dynamic that as much as I'm speaking to God in worship, God is speaking to the worshiper. That God is sharing something with the heart of the person who is worshiping. That just as the worshiper expresses commitment, God is giving commission. That there seems to be this back and forth here in our passage. That as they were worshiping, the Holy Spirit speaks. And impresses a desire on the hearts of the worshipers. And I, I think that challenges me. I mean, you know, uh, as I've mentioned, you know, before I get up in my worship, I'm asking God. And God is trying to speak through, to me through the worship that I give to Him. But I ask you that in your worship, are you also listening, asking? You know, the way that Jesus taught about prayer, I think sheds some light also into this same thing. Because if you look at the Lord's Prayer in the beginning, right? Pray then, Jesus says in this way, right? I want you to pray like this. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, right? Hallow, to, to, to express adoration, exoneration, to, to lift up, to hallow the name of God. And then he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I want to highlight two aspects of this for you. And I, I see praise here, right? Hallowed be your name, right? That's really just extolling, lifting up the name of God. That's worship, that's praise. Hallowed be your name. That's, that's nothing about me, right? And I see praise there, but in this next statement, I see this aspect of the prophetic. Why? The prophetic heart desires for the will of God to be accomplished on earth. That's what really the heart of the prophet is, right? Because you're trying to speak, hear and listen to go from God and speak that into the world. Speak that into your circumstance, into the people that are around you, right? That prophecy is not future-telling, it's forth-telling. Speaking forth God's word, sharing what his heart is, whether it be a, a desire for people to repent, for them to know something that God is doing, for them to be ready for an impending blessing or consequence, that the heart of the prophet speaks forth God's will in word. And I see that in the prayer here, right? First, the praise aspect, hallowed be your name, but the prophetic aspect, wanting the will of God to be accomplished on earth. And in our worship, I want to encourage us to have this posture of both declaring and listening, of both saying and hearing. Because I believe God has called you, desires for you, to speak for Him. As a representative, ambassador, as a mouthpiece, conduit, as a spokesperson. That when God wants to get news out there into the world, He's not pushing it through feeds on social media. May He do it through you, your heart, what He's saying. And that means you need to be tapped in. That there needs to be some sort of spiritual wiring back into the system of what God is saying. And when God feels it, and He wants to push it out, it happens through the hearts of His Christians, His people. And He pushes out that information. But that means we need to listen up and then we need to speak up. It happens in our worship. I think worship is the perfect place for this to happen. Why? I mean, you've got people that are gathered. They're already singing songs about God's will. I mean, right? That's what we're doing. And we're also gathered around other worshipers. And as, as Joe mentioned during the praise, right, where two or three are gathered, there Jesus is. 
And so when we were gathered with other worshipers, we're singing about God's will in his heart. I mean, what a prime time for God to speak his word and to really impress it upon his people. I close. Guys, come back. I want to share this as I close. Um, open yourself up. Uh, maybe you're used to this or maybe you're not. Uh, but as you worship God, uh, I want to encourage you to open up and to receive as well. That in our worship that we're going to be declaring some, some, some great things to God, but also to, to, to listen up and to listen in, to tune in, to kind of attach ourselves and to hear and feel what God is doing. You don't have to be an overly emotional type to do this. That in your worship, open yourself up. God is sharing something. If you have a decision that you need to make, ask those questions in the midst of your worship. I encourage you, if you've got a, a career decision to make in your worship, start asking God questions in your worship. That as you're expressing this exaltation to God in, in your heart, have these questions and listen in to, me, to maybe what God wants to say and inform you in those moments. So open yourself up. That's the first. And the second is this. Just know that you can be a spokesperson for God and that God wants you to be a spokesperson for Him. That not only is it possible, He desires it. That God wants to use your mouth, your heart, to disperse His information, His will, His desires. And as that happens in the church, I think that when Christians get together, that when they go into the workspaces, that wherever they go, if they have this ear tuned in and the heart tapped in, that they tend to speak. And when they do, it's inclined towards God's heart. And I want to encourage us for as a church to be that that vehicle, that conduit. Amen?